Thank you for listening to the Tatnus Podcast on the Tatnus Co. Network. <laughs> Welcome ladies and gentlemen, a Mercedes kind of sentiment, luxury and trust in me to honor the free we all should be in. What's up y'all, welcome to season two, Halloween season two of the Tatnus Podcast. My guest is super interesting dude, to say the least, really cool guy, Joe Castro. He's a special effects guy for so many horror movies and a producer for Lionsgate films and he also holds which you'll hear him talk about this he also holds the Guinness record for a horror movie with the absolute most kills in it it's insane dude <laughs> so you, you gotta hear this shit um, also you gotta hear about his uh, collection of horror things I thought I had a dope collection he has this gem in his horror collection you got to hear about. Check it out. All right. How's it going, man? It's going good today. It's going good. Actually, I just woke up about 20 minutes ago because <laughs> I, I, uh, I work from the time I wake up, which is about, about now, through the night. My best, my best working is like mm, 10.30 p.m. to like 6 a.m. I'm like a very, a, more of a night owl kind of thing. And uh but yeah, I go to bed. And, and my my partner, who I've been with for 22 years, um, uh, works the graveyard shift over at CBS uh, Big Brother, on the TV series Big Brother. So comes home around around six seven a.m. and I'm on his schedule, and uh, it works best that way. So I'm just now waking up. You know, missed like the heat of the day. You know that kind right. of thing <laughs> here in uh, Southern California, and. Um, yeah, so, but I'm doing okay. I can't complain today. How about yourself? I mean, hey, it's all good. It's almost a similar situation. I had a guest today, and then I thought I was done for the day, and then I found out, like, I had another one booked, and I, I knew I had you booked, but it was booked with me on a day that I was on a three-day vacation, so I probably had a gallon of beer in me that day. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll do that that day. And uh, it's not emailed to me. It's in a text that's been buried now by so many others since then. This was weeks ago. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, fuck, that's today. Um, all right, cool. Yeah. Five minutes from now, I got to do this show. All right, cool. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> but that's the way I work, right? It's like at the drop of a hat, I'm ready to go. So it, it's all good. Um, it, I have so many books for October for like uh, Halloween season that, that it's like trying to keep track of everything. It's just like, I have to be flexible to just jump in and, and, you know, be ready to go. So it's all good. Um, <laughs> so yeah. at least I find out you just woke up anyway. So uh, I, I, I'm best in the morning. I'm, 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 I'm best in the morning when it comes to my temperament and my, uh, yeah. Yeah. This, uh, the, 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 the good side of me. And then, as the, as the day rolls on, it's like anything goes. So you got the best of me now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So you're like fucking into the horror industry, which is obviously why this fit for October. Um, and I love horror. Like I've always been ever since I was a kid, like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like that was like my go-to. Um, and now it's really weird because I'm friends with people that are in those movies, and it's fucking trippy. But um, yeah. You know, uh, what would be your favorite out of any horror? Like, it doesn't even have to be 80s or whatever. Mm, my favorite? I have favorites. I don't know that I could say my favorite. Oh, look, here's... Uh, oh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just change this back. Uh, my favorite... Um, I have a couple that I come off the top of my head that were inspiring to me. Um, you know... Uh, let me see. I have like five. That I, like, like I'm trying to pick which one I want to say. Here's here's my like one of my top five. Would have to be. Um, there's a movie called Rabid. that's directed by David Cronenberg. Have you seen Rabid? I haven't. No. Uh, <laughs> you have to see it. You have to see it. It's like a classic um, horror, science fiction horror, which is my favorite. That's what I really like. I like science fiction horror. I've heard good and, things. Which is a very yeah, which is a which is which is a very odd category. Science fiction horror 
no, like, well, like, like, you know, I would, I, I guess, um, the alien franchise would be science fiction horror. Right. Um, this is this is science fiction horror. It takes place in the future, uh, and it uh, it takes place at a um, uh, um, what do you call it? It's a it's like it's like a plastic surgery medical facility, and this was made in the late seventies, early eighties. It's supposed to take place in like the not too distant future, like in two thousand or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, David Cronenberg was way ahead of his time. And if you have a chance to watch it now, there, it was remade recently, and I don't even want to mention the remake. Uh, but um, <laughs> if you go back and watch the original, it's pretty shocking, and it's very—it's uh, uh, not for the faint of heart. Anyways, uh, that's what I, that would be one of my favorites, *Rabid*, and then of course the original *Poltergeist*. Loved it. Probably be my second favorite. Uh, yeah, the original *Poltergeist*. Um, *Gates of Hell*. Have you ever seen *The City of the Living Dead*? *Gates of Hell*. I actually saw that movie in the theater when it was first released. Nice. That dates me. Uh, yeah, that was like 19, 1983, I think. I was 13. Um, and then um, there's a movie that, um, are you familiar with the very, the very, can, the very first slasher movie ever? Are you, are you familiar with what that is? You know what that is? No, I'm sure I probably don't. Um. <laughs> the the very first slasher movie ever um is a movie called blood feast and it was directed by herschel gordon lewis in 1963 and it's the first film to exploit blood in uh, color red blood in motion picture cinema and um and it, it's kind of considered a splatter film but it also um originates the slasher formula which is um, a deranged killer stalks innocent victims one by one, killing each one in a unique on-screen. And then the killer of the movie is killed at the climax of the film by the hands of the hero or heroine in the, of the movie in an even more gruesome on-screen death. Does that storyline sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Is that that's yeah that's that's the that's the slasher formula, and uh, Herschel um, made that formula back in 1963, and he. Not only did he direct the movie and come up with the story, he um, uh, wrote the film, he uh, shot the movie, he filmed it himself. He was the director of photography. He wrote all the music in the movie and he created the special effects and he created his own blood formula for the film. <laughs> so uh, Herschel passed away uh, back in uh, what was it, two, 2016, but he was one of my mentors and um, he was a, a real trailblazer. Um, so yeah, Blood Feast, and then uh, I, th- I know this isn't really horror, but it's the movie that started it all for me. It's a movie called Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Love and, it. Uh, it. It's considered the darkest. It's considered the darkest Godzilla movie ever made because Godzilla almost dies in the movie at one point. The Smog Monster is like suffocating him with like this sludge in a big pit, and you think he's gonna. He's like on his back, and you think he's gonna die. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's considered the darkest, uh, the darkest one of them. Uh, I hope that answered the question. I think it did. Absolutely, uh, I'm in the same boat. I couldn't pick just one. Um, yeah, I feel like I would pick things based on their time frame because mm-hmm. I grew up loving um, anything Vincent Price did. I, I thought he was awesome. Uh, that that dude was cool, man. Uh, there's just something about him that, uh, to me, uh, you can't talk about horror without him being in the conversation. Just because he was such a creepy bastard, but you know, but in all the best ways. Um, obviously, I, I'm a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Uh, I grew up with that, uh, but I also. Uh, when I was young, a friend of mine and I, we would go and rent the old black and white uh, horror flicks to kind of, you know, um, get into those a bit and appreciate that. And uh, I remember uh, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. That was fucking awesome. We loved that shit. And the Godzilla movies, too, um, especially. But uh I remember cracking up with the, uh, and I know it probably wasn't intended to be funny, but uh, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman, when they get in that fight in the lab and uh, the Wolfman's on this big metal box thing 
And he like growls like he's threatening. And Frankenstein's monster just picks up the box and throws the whole fucking thing with him on it. Like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> and we found that so funny because uh, it just looked hilarious. But it's like, uh, we love the fact that in their time, like that shit terrified people, you know, and uh, to see yeah. how it evolved. And then you, you come out with Exorcist where that scared the living shit out of people. Like, that scared the seven shades of shit out of everybody that went to see it. Um, Psycho, I'm sure, did the same. And uh, I think every, I think every, I think every, I think everybody's scared of the devil. Yeah, you know, there's something. Right. There's something. Yeah, yeah. It, it, everything is pure evil. I think that's why the Exorcist scares everybody. But going back to the Wolfman, the usual black and white films. I, 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 I mean, today they're they're hilarious. That one of the one of one of the shots from the original Wolfman. There's a scene where he is, you know, walking on the moors, and they show his feet like like walking, and it li- literally looks like he's tippy toeing through the, the moors because they have these two like puppet wolf feet, and they're going. He's going like this. <laughs> you watch it these days. It's he's literally tippy toeing through the. <laughs> so yeah, no, but I mean those those films are classic. To, to look at their you know, art directions, beautiful and all. I, back in, back when I was like literally 10 years old, I, there's the, when you would go get pizza at the, some of these pizza places, because getting a pizza was a big deal. It was very expensive. Back then, it was very expensive to get a pizza. Um, you, there was literally like a little movie theater in the pizza joint, and they would show like 16 millimeter reels of like all the universal black and white films of like the, you know, Albert Casilla meet Frankenstein and, you know, the Wolfman and uh, Godzilla and King Kong. And you could go in there and, and while you're waiting for your pizza, you could see a, an old like universal picture in black and white. That's um, yeah. It's, yeah. And you would see it like in a theater, in a projector, they had like a little theater in the, in the pizza joint. This was in um, San Antonio, Texas, where I grew up. Uh, that's how I saw most of the universal monster films. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, different time, definitely. And I feel like, um, today, Freddie, Jason, Myers, they've kind of become the new universal monsters, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like the Mount Rushmore of uh, horror in many ways because they've lasted so long and no signs of dying out, even if they do have reboots that people don't like and things like that. People are really hard on reboots, man. When it comes to those movies, people shit on them hard. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I love the new uh, reboot of Friday 13th. It's like I, one of my favorite slasher movies of all time. I thought, I thought it, was it was amazing. I loved I mean, it. Yeah. Though, though, was it the one that when was it was it 2009 i think yep. it was yeah 2009 2000 yeah it was i thought it was amazing well done I, the remake of evil dead 2 i thought that was beautiful oh, that was amazing that was, even the texas chainsaw massacre i thought they did an amazing job of making it so i i don't i haven't had any problem <laughs> there are other remakes though like john carpenter's the fog which was i thought was really poorly done compared to the original yeah but just just my own opinion no i agree completely um but uh you're right evil dead i saw that years back um and i was like this is so fucked up (laughs) it's so much more graphic than the original but i was like it's so good though it's dark it's like really well done um i loved it i thought it was great uh the the friday the 13th uh reboot was amazing um the only thing that we found my producer and i agreed on was that it was filmed so dark sometimes it's hard to actually see what the hell's going on um but uh aside from that like i have no complaints about it i thought it was brilliant i thought it was really well done i agree some people shit on the made with a lot of love right some people shit on the ending of it they they feel like it was like so you know predictable or whatever i thought it was good i don't know why i feel like people always gotta shit on something you know what i mean they gotta find a reason yeah <laughs> you know? well, the, the, the original evil dead if you go back and watch it is it, 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 it tends to lead tends to lead itself more towards being a comedy 
shocking. And and this one was complete straight horror because the second and the third one are full blown, you know, cult comedies. And um uh you know, I, I think that they, they did a job, you know, I mean how else do you wrap up a, a horror film that's basically based on a comedy? Uh I think they did I think they did a really good job. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was dark as hell. Like it was just grimy, man. It was so brutal. Uh, it right to the very end, even the last bit, I was like, "Oh, that's gnarly!" You know, <laughs> it's so dark and so gory and graphic. And I was like, "Damn!" But it was like even the story to it and everything was really well done. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. They uh, they took something that was pretty much comedic and uh made it really fucking dark so um are you familiar with uh uh who has a guinness book of world record for the highest body count in the slasher movie no i feel like i've heard the answer before but i don't know off the top of my head the highest body count in a slasher movie is held by a movie called the Summer of Massacre, and it's directed by me. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, most people don't know that. That is against the world record for the highest body count slash movie. Yeah. It's 155 on screen kills. Holy shit. And, and, yeah. Holy hell. That was set in, uh, in uh, tw- uh, 2012. And we shot it here and around LA. My partner, Steven Escobar, and I produced it. And um, it's very graphic. It was so graphic that actually Lionsgate turned it down. They said that they, they couldn't trim it for an R rating release because it's just too bloody. I mean, there was just no way to do it, release it. And um, uh, so, yeah. So we had, we released, you know, we released, you know, all intact, director's cut. It, you know, literally more than one kill a minute. Holy fuck. And uh, and there's um there's um eight uh, there's eight killers in the film. There's eight there's eight just you know, yeah. Uh, there's eight killers in the movie and uh, it's just it's just mayhem. It's just blood. The first five minutes of the film, it's just not, it's literally one person killing people on a rampage and it just happens like bam, 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 just like that. Uh, um, it, it, you know, I, I think it was way ahead of its time when it came out. It came out in twenty. It was the most. It was the most illegally uploaded film on YouTube for two months after it was released. Uh, we, we could not keep it down off YouTube. And the distributor and between the distributor and us, every day we were just like filling out forms, to take it down, filling out forms. We could not keep it off YouTube. Yeah, it was so so pirated. Um, but uh, it's one of my one of my. One of my proud accomplishments, yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's got to be yeah. a, you know, kind of a, a mixed feeling, too. It's got to be a, a flattering thing to see it pirated so much, but at the same time, infuriating, because you don't do this shit for free, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the horror movie audience, they, I mean, they're cheap fucking bastards, <laughs> you know, they are, they're, 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 they're they're cheap fucking bastards, you know. If they can, if they can steal it. They'll steal it, or they, you know, they they just they're crazy, you know. And uh, you know, you kind of have to know what you're getting yourself into when you make a horror film. But oh um, uh, uh, yeah, I saw the the original Evil Dead on VHS pirated before it even came out in the movie theater. Fuck. Yeah, I saw. It, this was like 1984, I think. I saw it like so someone handed me a VHS tape of it. Before it was released in a, in the movie theater, so I saw. Um, let me see. Oh yeah, no, it, it was it would you know pirating is is it's just been a plague for for the. I saw uh, Return of the Jedi the weekend VHS like 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 literally the year it came out. I think it was 1983 as well. Uh, I, I'm not sure it was 83 or 84, but it was you know. It was rampant, uh, you know, even like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I saw that someone had snuck a, a, a video camera into the movie theater and they would like back in the day, they would take the movie camera into the theater and they put it right in the middle seat because they knew somebody that that worked at the movie theater and 
you know, they went in the first showing on a Saturday when no one was going to be there at 10 a.m. and they videotaped the whole movie and then they they pass it around to everybody. So, um, yeah. So pirating is it's kind of like a you know, it's a it's a it's a a huge compliment and it's also one of the biggest curses, you know, of of independent cinema or even big big films, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and uh, it's, it's always been that way with art. That and um, you know, um, uh, yeah. So, you see one of your films show up in Russia with uh, Russian subtitles, and or uh, they actually went, they actually dubbed my my the last film release, not the last one, but the second one before that, uh, full full blown Russian. That they dubbed the, all the voices and everything. Uh, it's a movie called The Terror Tunes part three and um that that was kind of interesting to see that they, they they went that far to actually dub everybody's voice normally it's or not even that they just whatever you know you know steal it but um uh yeah that was pretty pretty big end operation so that's hilarious uh you know congrats on that record by the way um that's fucking cool thank you and uh it's really cool because I there's I, a couple of is there? Go ahead. Uh, it's cool. No, I, I was just going to... Go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just cool that I've got um, the opportunity to talk to people that have done such cool shit in the horror industry. Because here you've got that record for that. Um, I'm friends with Ken Sagos from Nightmare on Street 3 and 4, who most people don't realize is a pioneer in his own respect because he's the first black character to survive beginning to the end in a worldwide horror movie and of course they mm-hmm. kill him off in the next one like within minutes but right. you know, <laughs> it's still an accomplishment yeah i had a chance to work with ken on a movie titled nation's fire and uh got to put bloody makeup on him and whatnot super sweet guy very talented um yeah it's a real honor to work with him and uh uh he came through the premiere of our last film um, and, um, yeah, you know, he's just, uh, one of those people that, uh, you know, that you're in the right place when you're around him, you know, and you've done the right thing and you're, you know, living the dream. Um, and then, uh, what was I going to say? Um, like w- one of my other little, like, uh, kind of like special things that, 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 that I've been able to accomplish, uh, uh, so that, that very first slasher movie, Blood Feast. Back in uh, 2002, uh, the man that directed that original film made the, made the sequel to it, and it was called Blood Feast 2, and um, I had the chance to create the special effects for the sequel to the very first slasher movie ever, and then, then, then I became best friends with the director, and um, he, um, he, he died. He died in 2016, but before he died, he gave me the, the formula that he used in the original slasher movie of blood so i'm the you know my partner and i are the only people that that have this to know this blood formula and so every every once in a while what i'll do is i'll i'll mix up a batch of it and i'll take it to the movie set that i'm on and i'll be like would you like me to put a little herschel blood on your uh, on this you know here on camera and I'll, I'll take out some of that original blood that was used in that first slasher movie and show it to people and and uh you know use it in the film and you know, kind of like, you know, just kind of celebrate everything that he did for everybody, you know, and how he brought Color Red Blood to the forefront of what we, you know, what we so much appreciate and love now. No one really reminds anybody of what he did for all of us and how he broke that barrier because it was considered pornographic to shoot Color Red Blood on film and exploit it in a way that's, you know, grotesque and, um, it was considered obscene. It was considered obscene to like show somebody dying and being murdered and being and suffering on camera uh, as they died uh, in, on film back in the day, like in the sixties uh, when he did this. So when he made that first film, none of the movie theaters would show it because it was considered rated X, just right. because of people were dying on camera. Yeah, and um, and he he was kind of he was kind of a like kind of blackballed from the, from the actual Hollywood uh, for doing it. And um, uh, he had to literally take his movie 
by himself to different movie theaters around the country uh, and rent the movie theater out and show it because um, and he would and only the adult uh, film houses would show his film because it was unrated. The MPA wouldn't give him an R rating. Um, and, um, you know, so many people have copied him and Xeroxed and duplicated his formula and everything he's done. And people don't really give him credit for what, for what he did for all of us. You know, it's kind of like that first person standing up and getting punched in the face by the gang of bullies, you know, and it had to be done in order for the fight to begin. And, and he did it. And, uh, you know, I think his name needs to be acknowledged and recognized because uh, we wouldn't be talking this discussion today without him, you know. Absolutely. You know, we wouldn't be, uh, be able to appreciate all the things in horror, yeah, without him. It's um, funny. Yeah. So funny. if you get a chance to watch uh, Yeah. I would say if you get a chance to watch a Herschel, Herschel Gordon Lewis movie today or during the month of October, do it. Uh, it's Herschel Gordon Lewis. He's considered the godfather of gore. Uh, yeah, wait, well, well, one, one more fun fact about Herschel. I wanted to, oh, I just forgot what it was. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll think of it in a second, but go, go ahead. What were you going to say? It's just funny how things change, right? Because now, I mean, it's still a slippery slope for the most part, you know, uh, trying to get that R rating rather than that, you know. Oh. And uh, I've heard stories. Um, actually, Mick Strawn is a friend of mine. Um, and he told some stories about um like i bought i got his book about shit that happened on the set of nightmare on elm street three and four and doing that and there's some hilarious shit that's taken place in that series alone where they literally created scenes that were so stupidly graphic and put them in just because they knew that they're going to tell them cut that and you'll get your r rating and if they didn't do that, then they would have had to cut something they wanted to use. So they, they literally created these effects for something they had no intention yeah. of using just to manipulate the system. And it was brilliant. Well, what most people don't know, and, and so, this, is, this is like a really good uh, um, uh, uh, kind of a trade secret, is that when horror movies um, submit their films for MPA ratings, what, what they'll do is, um, you know, they'll submit like, you know, the quintessential cut with more stuff in it. And then the MPA will tell them to remove something. And what they'll do is they'll remove that piece and put the real piece back in that they wanted. <laughs> so they'll go and they'll check to see if they put the real piece back in. And then if they ask them to remove something else, then they'll remove that piece and put another piece, put the other piece back in. So, uh, and eventually the MPA just gets tired of watching the horror movie over and over again. So they, they give in. But uh, that, and that's something we had, uh, I made a movie called Near Death. Uh, and back in the day when I was making, and like in the early 2000s, when Blockbuster Home Video was a big deal, uh, every movie had to be submitted through the MPAA. Even like these, all these shot on video of horror features that are being done today that people are doing in their backyards or whatever for $10,000. Every movie, it doesn't matter what your budget was, it all, every one of them had to be submitted through the MPAA in order to get some sort of domestic or you know release um and that costs money and it had to be done professionally and so none of these movies that you see today would on, on amazon prime would be would be available for you to watch on at blockbuster and so i had to we had to submit them to the mpaa um and um and then that's exactly what we had to do we had to uh they, they they would they would tell us take this out take that out you can't have a boob and blood in the same shot so we pull that shot out and we put another little piece back in and then they tell us to take that out and then we put that one back in and, you know, and eventually they'd give in, you know, so, yeah. It becomes a less. Uh, I, 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 oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I grew up in San Antonio, near San Antonio, Texas, in a small town called Holotus, Texas. It was about 25 minutes Northwest of uh, San Antonio. And um, back in the early eighties, San Antonio, Texas was the heavy metal capital of the world. And it was also the horror capital of the world. And uh, it, the reason why it was it, it became the test market for, um, for, for horror films. And I swear Ozzy Osbourne, you know, Pete on the Alamo and, mm -hmm. um, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff went down there. I saw all kinds of, you know, I saw Ingve Malmsteen and ACDC in concert there. And uh, I got to hang out with Iron Maiden uh, like twice in two, two different tours. This is like when I was in middle school. It was that kind of, kind of that kind of town. And uh, I got to see 
all the uncut versions of movies because they ran all the horror films uncut, uncensored, unrated uh, in San Antonio. They would do free screenings. Uh, the Hollywood would, would bring the, the movies to San Antonio and you get free tickets. You could just sign up and you would go see like an uncut version of any horror film. I saw like an uncut version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 with Toby Hooper. I got to see uh, like, a, a, like any horror movie ever made. Oh, Fright Night, the original Fright Night. I got to see that as an uncut, unrated film. There was probably stuff in the version I saw that was never released to the public. Um, and uh, it was kind of a big deal. Uh, it, it, it was kind of crazy see the movie theater when it was released, like the weekend it was released in a movie theater. And any crazy little horror film that was shot on film uh, would be released in San Antonio, Texas. Are you familiar with a movie called The Deadly Spawn? Return of the Aliens, The Deadly Spawn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that movie is like a little independent film. I saw that movie in the theater as a double feature with Beetlejuice. Wow. You know, I, I, I just hooked up with... Uh, with, uh, with and uh, I said, hey, I saw your movie in the theater as a double feature uh, with Beetlejuice, uh, like on a Saturday afternoon in San Antonio, Texas. This is like 1983, I think, 1984. And uh, he was like, he was so floored, you know, that someone got to see his movie on the big screen, like from an actual print. Um, and um, it was just totally different times, you know, totally different times. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if we'll, I don't know if we'll ever have that again, but it was definitely. Uh, um, Fun. It was a lot of fun back in the '80s to make horror films and uh, to watch horror films on a big screen. Yeah. <laughs> Off the air, you talked about a story with C.J. Graham working with him, and uh, kind oh yeah, of, kind of reminded me of a, a funny story with him myself because uh, obviously everybody knows he played Jason in Part Six, and uh, he fucking is a friend of mine. So I'm like, come on my show, dude, for October. And uh, he's like, all right, just text my wife. And, you know, she does my scheduling. And he, he's like, she knows my schedule better than I do. So, all right, I'll fucking ask your wife if you can come out and play. You know, <laughs> Jason needs his wife's permission. <laughs> you know, fucking. So I text her and I got it all set up. And I was like, okay, there, you know, it's a little bizarre that, uh, you got to ask Jason Voorhees' wife if he can come out and fucking play in October, but all right. <laughs> but he's such a good dude. Yes. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My experience with him on set was uh, a very professional, friendly, kind man, and um, totally, you know, has an amazing presence on camera. And it was an honor and a privilege to work with him on set. Yeah. Yeah, he's a super nice guy, man. Uh, really cool guy. Uh, another person that I'm friends with that's an absolute sweetheart is Sandy Johnson. Uh, Judith Myers from Halloween in 78. She's, like, awesome, man. She's super nice. Um, absolute sweetheart of a human being. And uh, she's still doing her thing, man. It's cool to see. Yeah. 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 I, this is a... Uh, uh, I, I don't think... Uh... I, I can say, I, I hope I'm like 95 years old and kids are like coming to, not when I say kids, I mean like, you know, you know, like 30, 40 years old. Yeah. Uh, picking me up from the house to take me to set, to put makeup on and do special effects on set. I don't, I don't ever want to stop doing this stuff. I want to, I want to, you know, I, I don't see any reason why, why I couldn't keep going. I've been doing this for 39 years now and I, I'm pretty sure I have another 39 years left in me. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I mean, it's important to love what you do. And that's the greatest thing. When you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And uh, I can only imagine because I love art and shit like that. So I can only imagine how much fucking fun you must have doing what you do. It, it is fun. I, I, I feel very honored and blessed to be able to look back over my life and say that I made my living creating special effects for motion pictures and um, you know, people uh, honor me by asking me to create the characters and the monsters and the effects in their films. And you know, it's kind of a bad boys club. There's a lot of, uh, there's a, 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 there is a lot of people making horror films, but if you look at the scope of like how many, 
if you if you Google how many movies have been made since the beginning of time, how many movies how many movies do you think have been made since we started making future films? Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever considered Googling it to find out how many? I'm curious now, man. There's got to be millions at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know? There's not. There's there's not a million. Really? A million's a really big number. There there has not been a million movies made since the beginning of time. Holy shit. A million is a big a million is a big number. And um the truth is um that this is still a bad boys club. You know, people that make films films that get distributed are um it's a very small number. Sure people a lot of a lot of people make movies, but something like eighty five percent of all movies that are made are never even seen by the general public. That's true. It's really that it's really that small of a number. Um, you know, getting a movie distributed in a way that where people can see it is, you know, people get paranoid about having like some sort of sex tape released on online and destroying their life. I'm like, I can't even get people to watch my movie and it's on it's in Walmart. Why are you so <laughs> paranoid that someone's gonna watch some damn sex tape of you? <laughs> the ego of people. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh yeah there, there hasn't been a million movies made yet it's um it's that because a million is a really big number you forget it's just like the, you know, like the like the like the universe we live in there's literally like i don't know like something like a million billion stars in each galaxy and there's a million billion galaxies we'll never be able to find the, the other earth ever if we, even if we went one at a time and like picked each each planet <laughs> by the time that person goes through all the all you know his lifetime he won't even be done with one galaxy um and uh, uh uh so to be able to be asked to do the work on somebody else's movie and to work with the director and create an original character for a film is like a real honor and um you know whenever i work on a film it is um of the utmost importance that uh my work be of the highest quality regardless of the budget of the film, regardless of whether I like the person I'm working with or not, <laughs> my work has to be, has to maintain a, um, uh, a certain level of uh, professionalism and of quality. And uh, because I think there's a real honor to be able to live my life and chase this dream, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, I love that because I feel like uh, I've always been under the belief that if you're going to attach your name to something, if you're not going to do it 110% to the best of your ability, why bother? Because you're just blowing your own reputation, man. And you never, and, and, and truth be told, each job that you do, regardless of how big or how small it is, <clears throat> is really the job interview for the next job. It is, absolutely. People don't really consider that. You know, sometimes people put limits on the amount of uh, effort they will put into something simply because of what they believe that they're getting in return. And what they get in return may not come in the form of a dollar bill. Exactly. And uh, that needs to be taken into consideration when you are putting your hands and you're putting your, your efforts into working with another human being, you know? Uh, and uh, I think uh, at some point in my career, I realized that my job is not to effects, but to make my boss look cool. <laughs> if I'm not making my bottle cool, then I'm not doing my job. And, um, you know, and that's hard for a lot of artists to understand, you know, uh, because of, and I'm guilty of it too. My ego is my, not my ego, you know, my ego will get in the way of, 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 of my vision of what I'm really supposed to be doing. And, uh, but, but somewhere along the way, I found this, like, um, this, 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 I guess it's my motto. You know, yeah. If I if I if I'm not making my boss look slick, hip, slick, and cool, then I'm not doing my job correctly. And uh, and, and by making people feel good with what I do is where I really get my my the real payment, the real payoff. You know, so like my, my one of my cousins uh, who lives in Texas, uh, he um he does uh he runs like an exotic. Uh, boat gaming service where he will drive people out into the middle of the Gulf of Mexico that, you know, don't know how to drive a boat, never fished a day in their life and take them fishing out there, you know, and show them how to, you know, whatever he catches the weirdest fish or whatever. 
and uh and he his son um wants you know a monster mask for halloween yeah you can go online and buy any really cool silicone mask but to have a custom-made mask that no one else in the world has by a hollywood industry professional now that's you know that's something else so sure enough this is the busiest month of my life uh but yet when cousin goes hey can you can you make my kid a monster mask in the middle of the biggest month of your life is that okay yeah all right i'm gonna send you some smoked sausage in the mail <laughs> as payment you, you have to stop everything and do it you just you have to yeah that's it you know no because my primary purpose is to you know make uh, make everybody happy you know make it make people feel good with what i do so uh yeah last night i was banging out this monster mask for for my cousin's son and uh uh, it's one of the greatest joys I have. Yeah, that is cool, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than having something that you know nobody else has, and knowing that it came from a pro. Um, that's the coolest shit, especially for a kid. You know what I mean? Because that—that's what it is for kids, right? Is it's a comparison. It's uh, you know, their friends want, all think they got the coolest shit from a store that they found it somewhere. You know, and, uh, you know, they think they're hot shit because it didn't come from Walmart. It came from, like, some <laughs> online store. And it's like, all right, cool. But I got this, like, professionally made custom, you know. So what up now, yeah. right? You know, the kids love that kind of shit. And uh, yeah, it's really – and, I mean, I've always been someone that loves anything customized. You know what I mean? Um, I always appreciated the work that – someone put into it because it's one of a kind i got a whole shelf of horror stuff and uh like i collect all types of horror shit and uh so you know having like mixed book for example that was cool because that's like from a pro that's been there worked on the movies and it's just a cool thing to add to the collection um so i totally understand that that's you know super cool um and it's awesome that you do that that you take the time to do that even though you're busy um because it's for the right reasons like you're obviously got your heart in the right place you want to do this because you enjoy it because it means something to people and uh i think that's cool man um and hey you never know you never know where your next job is going to come from my my cousin's kid puts that mask on he goes out into the community someone in texas has some money they want to do something hollywood like i want to get you, know, you just don't know you don't you don't know why i mean you can't you can't uh predict like where the next amazing thing in your life is going to come from so you just gotta roll with it and uh you don't know you know uh you just don't know and uh you gotta put it out there in the universe if you wanna if you wanna if you wanna uh change if you want to do something different you gotta do something different you know you gotta you gotta change it up so Exactly. Making uh, making really cool custom masks, yeah, is something, yeah. But uh, uh, well, oh, uh, talking about like unique possessions, um, I got a, I got a couple of things I gotta I gotta brag about. One, I have um, I have an actual pull from the mold of Jason's hockey mask from Jason versus Freddie, and everybody signed it, including Betsy Palmer. That's cool. And it's hanging, it's hanging on the on the wall behind me. But it's messy in here, so I'm not gonna do the background. But <laughs> it's hanging on the wall behind me. I have that. I have that, and um, I have this. Um, and most people won't won't know what this is, but um, there's a there was a you, there's a man who was the very first horror groupie ever, and most people don't know who he is, but a lot of people do know who he is. Are you, are you, are you, can you take a guess who was the very first horror groupie ever? Shit. Yeah. Way too young. You're way too young. How old are you? Like 32? 37. 38. Okay. Well, okay. Well, man, you, you just missed the mark. Are you, have you, are you familiar with the magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland? Yeah. Okay. So, well, that magazine now is run is 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 is, is handled by by somebody completely different by a different company, whatever. But that was the very first horror magazine ever, back in the day. And uh, I bought like the very the very first issue I bought was like issue number seventy seven or something like that. And it was nineteen seventy eight, I think I bought it. I was eight years old, and um, 
it was made by a man. Uh, his name was Forrest J. Ackerman. And Forrest J. Ackerman was the very first horror groupie ever. And why was he the very first horror groupie ever? Because he literally, like if you went over to his house, he, 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 had, he collected all the memorabilia from horror films. In fact, he actually had the ring that Bela Lugosi wore on his finger in the original black and white version of Dracula. And he wore it. He had it on his hand because he went to the Universal Backlot and met Bela Lugosi when he was a kid because he snuck into the Universal Backlot. Before they had fences around it, you could just walk in and he got it from Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi gave it to him. And um, he also had this little vial of chocolate syrup that they used as the blood in the movie, the original Dracula, you know, Dracula. And he would take it out and he'd show it to everybody. It was just weird little, it was like, you know, it was obviously like a, like a hand blown glass bottle with an actual cork on it that they gave Bill Lugosi to put on, you know, whatever, whatever. It was, it was crazy. It's like, wow. And um, he had everything. And, uh, uh, he had like, um, I, I can't even begin to, to tell you the kind of things he had. He had like, the original stop motion animation models from uh, the original King Kong film in his house. So the dinosaurs that the, the, the King Kong, he didn't have the actual King Kong, but he did have with some of the other models he collected. He got, he had like the heads of the aliens from Close Encounters, the original Steven Spielberg film. He had them on display in his house. He had just the most amazing movie uh, memorabilia, but uh, he, he created that magazine and uh, before he died, he had these little five by seven cards that he had made up with um, his face. And it was, he, it was, an artist had drawn it like it was, he was Frankenstein. And he, um, he would pass them out to like, you know, his fans and whatever and autograph them. And there were only like 500 of them made. And he gave me like one of the last five. And I have it framed over here on the wall. Wow. Um, it's just like 19, yeah, 1985. It's Forrest G. Ackerman. You Google Forrest G. Ackerman. He actually owns, he coined the phrase sci-fi. Really? So whenever you hear sci-fi, his, his estate owns that phrase. And that's why the sci-fi network isn't spelled sci-fi because they couldn't afford, they couldn't buy it. Yeah. That's interesting. I was wondering <laughs> why the fuck they would spell it that way. Well, well, well originally sci the sci-fi network was spelled sci-fi. It was like the, like the way, you know, the S-C-I-F-I. And uh, I guess they couldn't get the rights to use use it, so they had to change it. That's interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. So he coined the phrase sci-fi. If you Google for for Shackman or coined phrase sci-fi, his name his name will come up. And um, yeah, he was the star of my very first feature film. Oh, it's shit. a movie titled Ceremony. Yeah, and uh, um, you know John Landis and. American Wolf and then for Jackson's Thriller. John Landis, the director of those things, he, he was best friends with uh, Forey. And every John Landis movie, Forrest Jackman's in. He would always find a place to put him in. And so if you go back and watch Michael Jackson's Thriller, right, he, he, he's, Forrest is sitting right behind Michael Jackson in the movie theater. So when Michael Jackson and his co-star get up to leave the movie theater, there's Forey like eating popcorn right behind him. There's always a little cameo. He always put Forey in the thing. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. so cool. So all, a, a, lot, a lot of firsts, a lot of, a lot of men that have come before us that have done some amazing things for all of us. And they need to be remembered. They need to be talked about. And they need to be acknowledged about all the things they did. You know, um, Forrest Ackerman, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Um, these are people that were really, you know, never really truly recognized in Hollywood for what they did. But they, they started it all for all of us. And, and, and most people don't even know that horror films are the most profitable genre of film in Hollywood, and they get the least credit in the Oscars. Oh, yeah. They make the most money. For yeah. you, you, you know what the most successful movie franchise is of all time? No. People want to say Star Wars, but it's not. It's Godzilla. Oh, really? Godzilla has spawned like Godzilla has spawned like all over like 40 sequels. True. And it's been, it's been distributed all over the world since the, like the 1950s, 60s, 50s, 60s. That movie, that, that, that franchise that made so much money. It's insane. And um, uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. 
So, and it's, it's sci-fi, basically sci- sci-fi, sci-fi horror, sci-fi creature feature. Yeah. Um, but uh, got to give them kudos for what they did. Uh, anyways, so, so, so how, how is your month of Halloween going to turn out? You're going to, you're going to, are you going to go, are you going to get dressed up? Oh, probably, man. I, I love Halloween. So, you know, I've got so many guest books so far, so it's going to be cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. I think there's so many cool people, um, that, uh, you know, contribute so many. I got people from Sweden that are in the horror industry on the show. And, um, you know, hearing about their culture was really cool. Uh, how they didn't typically have Halloween, but they had their own tradition where they would light candles. I just realized I, I, I'm sorry. I realized I have another interview in four minutes. Oh, no worries. I scheduled two minutes. <laughs> so I got to jump off. Keith, I'm amazing talking with you today. It's been a blast, man. Are we friends on Facebook? If you're not friends on Facebook, reach out to me, facebook.com backslash joe.castro. Uh, or you can find me on Instagram, joe. Say hello. Uh, it'd be great to catch up more in the future. Oh, yeah. Be good to yourself. I got to run. All, All right. right. Have Be a good. good. Take care. <laughs> Have a Bye-bye. So that was Joe Castro. Awesome guy. And i um, proud to call him my friend now. We are now uh, friends in contact with each other to talk more. We're going to do another show again. He had to run because he had a busy schedule, just like I do, and uh, so I understand that all too well. <laughs> I usually have uh, multiple shows to do in a row, so uh, listen to this though, like you know the the amount that he knows about horror. I mean, did you hear all that? Like this guy's got facts upon facts and knowledge for days about horror movies, and I thought I knew some shit, but this guy, man, he he knows plenty. Uh, awesome guest. I look forward to having him back. I hope you dug it. And that was just the start. Uh, that's the second show of season two, Halloween season two. And uh, there's plenty more where that came from. I'll catch your asses later, man.